0: We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Hey, coming up, we're excited about a combined prayer meeting right across Queensland. All the Baptist churches are coming together beginning the 1st of June to pray for 21 days to pray for revival for our nation. And that's a commitment from every single church. Something like, I don't know how many we've got, 150, 160 churches are saying these three weeks are so important for us to pray. And we want to encourage you to be part of that. On the Bible app, if you have a look at the Bible app under 21 days of prayer, there are some just prayer notes for 21 days of prayer where you can pray, have a devotional and pray specifically for different things for those 21 days. As we meet together on Sunday night at 5.30 with all combined Baptist churches plus other churches are coming as well, the prayer movement's coming to join with us to pray together because we're going to stand together and believe God that He's going to revive and do something amazing. We want you to be here. you don't have to register for that last time, it was totally booked out, so you need to go on Eventbrite and register To now, or you're likely to miss out as we come together and believe God to do some amazing stuff. Prayer makes a difference. Do you believe it? That's why we're doing our series on prayer that moves mountains. Do you need mountains moved in your life today? Well, as I share, I trust that God will open up your spiritual eyes. If you're a father, you need to hear this message today. If you're a mother, you need to hear this message today. If you're a Christian, you need to take account of what's being said today because this will change your life when you realise the reality of what we speak about. We don't speak about this often, but today as we speak about this, there's an incredible reality. We need our spiritual eyes opened. And I trust that you'll hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. Father, I pray in Jesus' Name, when You said all authority in Heaven, on earth has been given to you and you said go likewise, we go in Jesus' name today. I pray, Lord, that your little shafts of light touch our spirits and our hearts and our minds to release us to the knowledge of the truth that your word has. God, I pray today by faith that people who've been captive for a long time will be set free. I pray today, Lord, for people who need healing from You, God, and haven't received it, that You would just set them free and You would heal in the Name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we believe Your Word and we ask Your Holy Spirit, fill this place and speak to us in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I think my daughter sets me up to be embarrassed. The other Sunday I went over to her place and I said, look, I'm gonna take Kaiden. I'll take Kaiden on an adventure, which I do quite often, and Merrill's with me. And we took Kaiden on this adventure. And just as I walked out the door, she said, Kaiden, don't forget your binoculars. Get your binoculars, you're going on an adventure with grandad. I said, yep, I'll wait, go and get his binoculars. So Kaiden races into his bedroom and he produces his binoculars. Anna Golding made binoculars. I got no idea why they weren't the same length, but they were his binoculars. And man, he was super proud of his binoculars. Me, a little embarrassed. We were going to Harry's Hut. We're going to go along the boardwalk on Sunday afternoon to Harry's Hut, where there are many, many people walking past. So I arrived there. Meryl decides she's going to sit in the car and just read a book. So I quickly got Kaiden out of the car, my three year old grandson, out of the car and started to walk towards the boardwalk. When Meryl yells out, Kaiden, you forgot your binoculars. To which we go back and get his binoculars. Do we have a photo of him using his binoculars? Now these things are very important when you're a three year old. These binoculars are so important. And we were looking for crocodiles. We were going everywhere looking for crocodiles. So we didn't find crocodiles in the, in, in the water. We looked across the valley, couldn't find the crocodiles. So I grabbed these. I thought I would get adventurous as well. So I grabbed these and I'm looking for crocodiles. He said, Granddad, you're looking for koalas crocodiles are in the creek. You can't put anything over him. But in the world of a child, these are so important. For those who've got kids, you know stuff is so important, so important for him. We were walking back along the boardwalk and he was holding his binoculars and this toddler was coming towards him and the toddler thought it'd be lovely if they could have a go of his binoculars. So the toddler tries to grab the, the binoculars of Kaiden, to which Kaiden just held them so tight and managed to push his way past and indignantly said, Granddad, you hold my binoculars. So I held his binoculars and held his other hand. He said, Granddad, hold my, my binoculars up high so kids can't get them. So here I am with a grandchild on one hand and two extended toilet rolls on the other, trying to look as incredible and discreet as possible as people are walking along this path with me. We'd go around the corner, I'd just gradually tuck them underneath my arm and focus on something else. Grandad, the binoculars. You know, in a child's world, these things are so important. In the kingdom of an adult, they are only just rolls of paper and so easy to make some more. But there was something happening for him. He was focused on these things. For me I was focused on the adventure and how important it was to find the crocodiles along the way to have an adventure. And in life the same thing happens. We can focus on our stuff rather than focusing on the stuff that is important for the Kingdom of God and for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And sometimes we have questions, why um, is life so hard? Why is life so difficult at times? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you try and push through, you try to do the right thing, there's always a battle, there seems to be an opposition coming your way. You know, there are two worlds that collide in the spiritual realm and that's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And we need to be aware of that because Jesus often talks about this throughout scripture. And I encourage you, if you've got any questions about this, get out your Bible, read these scriptures and see what Jesus is saying. Jesus promised, He said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's gonna say, I'm gonna build my church. There's gonna be opposition, but hell is not gonna prevail against my church. The church is gonna win. And you need to know that. When all stuff happens towards the end times, the church will win because the King of the universe declared that it would. And we've got to realise that. He says, I tell you the truth. Whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever, I'm loose, whatever I loose will be loosed in earth. We've been told to bind and loose things in the spiritual realm so we see them in the physical realm and vice versa. This week, who's bind to loose something? In the last 12 months, who's bind to loose something? In the last 10 years, who has used this power to change your kingdom by praying in the spiritual world and getting the victory in the spiritual world so we see release in the physical world? How often do we allow stuff to happen to people, and people to be sick, and people to be going through stuff, and we've never stopped to deal with it in the spiritual realm, and we stood about by, and we tried to fix stuff in the in the um, this kingdom rather than His kingdom? When I'm so worried about these, rather than looking at the crocodiles that may be out there. The Bible says the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and bring it to obedience to Christ in order that the manifold wisdom of God might be known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The church has got a role. We have got an incredible role in the spiritual realm and yet we never or very rarely, we use the power that's been given to us. If you are a parent and you're not praying for your kids, step aside and the devil's in there doing everything he can. But when we start to pray, when we take our spiritual authority and we start to pray for kids, when we start to pray for our grandkids, when we start to pray for our worlds and we take their spiritual authority, things change. But the last thing we think about is, prayer will make a difference if I pray into that. Prayer is the first thing and prayer will make an incredible difference. The way we deal with the supernatural force is through this incredible weapon of prayer. We reduced prayer to saying, God, I need your help. God. Help me, give me some more finances. God, help me feel better, help me get on better. And our prayer is focused about us. Whereas when we start to learn the power of prayer and we start to do warfare prayer and start using our weapons that are strong and powerful to pull down the enemy's tactics, we see great things happening. Paul says, finally, when he says everything else about relationships, about husbands and wives, about um, servants and masters, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. It's in the Lord. Come to the Lord. The weapons that you are fighting your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. It's against authorities. It's against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Could it just be that the enemy is trying to put you down at the moment? The way you feel, the struggles you have. Could it just be the enemy's working on your case? If you are a Christian, there's not a person where the enemy isn't trying to pull you down or trying to pull you away from God. And we've got to spiritually see in the spiritual realm that there are forces at work to pull us down. Right now, if we sit here, you see me, You see a screen, you see some lights. Are there any spiritual forces at work right here? In the spiritual realm, just because you see it doesn't mean it's not there. Like I could find an electric lead, I could pick up this lead and say, I don't believe that this lead could electrocute me. I could grab it, I could get a pair of scissors, I don't believe it's gonna electrocute me and I cut it in half. What's gonna happen? I'm gonna get electrocuted. Just because I believe it doesn't, just because I don't believe it's gonna electrocute me doesn't mean that it won't. Just because we try to believe that there's not a spiritual realm out there doesn't mean that there isn't. And the greatest tactic of the enemy is to try to get us to think that this spiritual realm of evil won't affect us. Now I'm a Christian, I'm okay. There's no battle going on. Whereas when we read Scripture throughout Scripture, it's very clear that there are spiritual battles going on over our lives and over our churches and for the kingdom. There's a beautiful part just in in Scripture in the Old Testament in um, Kings where we've got a servant of Elisha and the servant gets up one morning, he's talking to Elijah. And as he's talking to Elijah, he looks out and he sees a fierce battle that's about to rage. And he sees people on horses, he sees foot soldiers and everything like that. And he says to Elijah, the people who are, are against us are far more than those who are for us. And Elijah says to him, if you look in the spirit world, you will see. It goes on to say he prayed for his servant and he prayed that the eyes of his servant may be open to see the spiritual realm. Open his eyes that he may see. May see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw hills full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. God goes into battle for you when you need Him to do it. He stands there for you and with you and pushes through in the heavenly realm. God is with you. He is with you. He who is with you is greater than he that is in the world. Now, what does the devil try to do? A couple of things this morning. One, he hides the truth from Christians. He pretends the supernatural world does not exist. What happens is, hey, it doesn't matter, nothing to do with the spiritual world. I just need to look at the physical stuff. So with our intelligence and what we have now, and we sort of understand stuff, we just try to justify every stuff, and all the stuff in a spiritual, in a physical realm, rather than understanding what's happening in the spiritual. Paul says our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The devil entices us to live in the physical world only. Romans says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll prove what's a good acceptable and perfect will for your life. There's a battle going on for your mind and the battle is to keep it down here where we just think it's all about flesh and blood. We think about everything that happens is just on a, an earthly plane, that there's nothing spiritual happening. So we try to battle something on an earthly plane and we lose and we don't get the victory because it's in the spirit that's happening. We fill our minds with knowledge and information and there's no room for faith. Hebrews 11.6 says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when we act in faith, when we take a step of faith, when we pray something in faith, believing that God's gonna do, it, when we pray it a second time, the third time, believe God that He's gonna do it, faith is activated and God blesses when He sees faith. When He sees great faith, where people pray, it's not a physical answer that they're looking for, it's a spiritual answer. And when they believe that great stuff happens. Then the devil tries to accuse Christians in Revelation 12:10. He says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of Christians has been thrown down, and he accuses them day and night before God. He accuses us. He says things like, You're not good enough, you're not valued. You are inadequate. You're not loved. You'll never change. Your circumstance will never get any better. Things will turn around for the worse. People don't like you. That's the accuser of the bear brethren. You make a mistake, he says, how could God love you? Something goes wrong in your life and you're, you're struggling with something and you can't get on top of it. So he comes in and says, well, how could God love you when you're not good enough to get over that? When God says, I love you, I've demonstrated the incredible power of my love on the cross when I gave my life for you that you could live in love and in my power and my authority. He tries to snare us and to stop us and enslave us. The Bible says, I pray that they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. He makes us think that God doesn't care. He makes us think that God doesn't answer prayer. And I'm sure if I asked you and you've thought that God doesn't answer prayer, I'm sure every one of us would have a time in our life when we'd put up a hand and we've thought that. And yet God is there, His incredible love for us, He always, always answers prayer. When testing times come, we feel so God has let us down because we don't understand what's happening. The Bible, some things that happen, and there's two kinds of testings in the Bible. The first testing is trials. Trials will come, they're gonna come. You don't go through life and don't have trials. And we have sort of a theology that people try to grasp on that, I'm never gonna have a trial. Well, you're gonna have a trial because the Bible talks about, count it all joy when various trials come. And there's gonna be times of trials. And when those trials come, they are situations designed by God in order to bring you closer to Him. God is allowing this trial because the outcome of that is gonna be perseverance and perseverance. Push pushes through to endurance. Endurance gives you hope. So what's God's saying is when the trials come and you're going through a trial, he allows those trials. Our God could move them if he wanted to, but he allows trials. Get that into your mind. The Bible says God allows trials. So when trials come, it doesn't mean God doesn't like me or I've done the wrong thing or God wants to hurt me or God's not big enough to deal with those trials. But when trials come, God is at work to produce in us character so our character can push through when other stuff comes. So deal with the trials. God, what are you doing in this trial? And the trials can come in a million, million different ways. They can be financial. They can be relationship. They can be health. They can be attitude. They can be work. They can be people. They can be how you perceive yourself. They could be stuff from the past. They could be fear of the future. Trials can come in many different ways. But God is there in that trial and He wants to do something with you. Understand that. It's not... That you've done anything wrong. It's a part of God. It's trying to make you the character that he's called you to be. Work with him on that. Don't walk away from him in that. He needs you to work with him on that. The second thing the Bible talks about, a temptation. So it talks about trials and temptations. A temptation is a situation designed by Satan in order to draw you away from God. So when a temptation comes, that's the devil and the devil's trying to entice you away from God. The Bible says when you're tempted, don't say God is tempting you. Temptation is the oldest problem in the world. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were tempted to take the fruits. Now it wasn't a sin until they took it. But when they took it, man, everything fell apart. The devil tries to tempt you to do the wrong thing. The devil devil tries to do stuff to push you under. The devil entices you away from God to do the wrong thing. And when that happens, stand firm in your faith, realizing the devil's in this. I need to stand firm and put the armour of God now, the sin isn't the temptation. The sin is falling to the temptation. So often we think, oh, we've got a thought in our mind that we should do something. Oh, that's sin. No, that's the devil putting a thought in your mind. Just imagine Jesus. He was tempted in every way without sin. But just imagine when the devil said to him after four, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, here's some stones, I want you to turn those stones into bread. Mm. Man, I'd love some bread now. I'm so hungry. It feels just like you feel. I'm so hungry. Man, I love some bread now, but I can't because that would be given in to temptation. When the devil tempts you, when you get the thought in your mind, you think, yep, I love some bread now, that's not the sin. It's what you do with the thought that becomes the sin. For Jesus to, to start to turn that stone into bread is a sin. To think about it is not the sin. And yet the devil tries to say you're so bad because you had this sort and that's happened. You're not so bad. It's the devil trying to trap you and all he does is trying to put us down because he hates us. The devil plans to destroy us. He tries to hurt us. He loves. He hates God because he hates God. He does everything he can to hurt Christians because when Christians get hurt, God gets hurt. And remember this one, when Christians get hurt, God gets hurt. So when I get, my, uh, get annoyed about something, and I get angry, and I get angry at, at somebody else, and then I blame God, or I get angry because God hasn't provided something for me, or I get angry because life didn't turn out the way I wanted it, I get angry <laughs> and then I start to blame God. And God gets hurt because the devil started to tell you you're not good enough or start to mess with you and you get angry. But rather than getting angry at the devil, you get angry at God. Uh, uh, rather than get angry at God, you get angry at the devil. And then you start to, to blame God for what is happening and God gets hurt. That's the plans of the enemy. Be aware of that. Stand firm. Don't give the devil any room in your life because if you give him a little bit of room, he will take it. The devil feeds lies about you, about others. He's the greatest liar. That's him. He's the author of all lies. And he likes to tell you stuff. He likes you to see stuff. If you think someone's angry with you, you watch it. You walk into church. The first person you see will be them. And the first thing you'll see is them talking about another, someone else. And you'll assume that they're talking about you and making a big thing about it. That's the devil. That, that's the devil's territory. That's his game. If something will go wrong, it will. It can go wrong, it will go wrong, that's His game. Come on, let's start to see His game and start to take control of it and realise it, rather than being sucked in every time the enemy wants to play with you, stand back. No, I'm not gonna believe that thought. No, I'm not gonna believe that I can't do it. No, I'm not gonna believe that I'm not good enough because God said I am, if the cross is worth anything, and Jesus died for me, there is nothing too great that I cannot give back to God because He gave everything for me. That's the power of the cross. Let's put Satan down where he is, he's only here. But sometimes we elevate him and give him so much room or ground in our life. There, there is so much that he does. It's a bit like being in a boat or in a tinny and I went out a couple of months ago in, in Kaiden's tinny. I was out there in the tinny, I thought, oh, there's some water coming in the bottom of the tinny. I better do something about this. So unbeknownst to me, the plug had disappeared. So I had to put my finger in the hole. Because the moment my finger's out of the hole, what's gonna happen? The water's gonna come in. The moment there is an opportunity, the water's gonna come in. I'd be stupid to sit in the boat and say, I'm just gonna sit there and believe the water's not gonna come in. What's gonna happen? I'm gonna drown. And sometimes to the enemy, we just sit there and think, He can't touch me, He can't hurt me, I'm too good. And we've got to realise that He's been working on this for thousands of years. To see the cracks in our armour, to see the stuff we're messing with that we shouldn't be messing with, to see where we're overstepping the mark and that's the enemy's territory. If we give the enemy territory or ground in our lives, He will come in and He will take it. He won't say, oh, you poor thing. You're going through a rough time at the moment. I'll leave you alone. He hates your guts. And if there's an opportunity to hurt you and put you down. He will just go for the juggler and he keeps going. <laughs> tell you, I can tell you, I've been there. I've seen him do it. That's what happens. Stand your ground. Don't mess with his stuff, but stand firm in the Lord. As a young Christian, I had a mate and the mate wasn't a Christian and he... Um, Told me one night, he said, um, oh, last night I went to the seance. I went to the seance and there at the seance, I started to play the Ouija boards. And a question was asked, if you want answers, what will it cost? And the question, the answer came back, it will cost your soul. This is real stuff. Mess with the devil and he messes with his soul. But God of all light and God of all hope always gives you hope and leads you in the right way to trust in Him, His power and His might. I think so many Christians along the way have not seen the power of Almighty God against the powers of darkness. So they don't stand firm against the schemes of the enemy and recognise what he's doing. Ephesians 6 says... Put on the full armour of God that you'll be able to stand. Stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Our battle is fought in the spiritual realm. Our battle for our kids, our battle for this nation, our battle for revival, our battle for this church is won through prayer, through leaning into God and activating faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's just get this one. If you missed everything, get this one. When Jesus went back to his hometown, he wanted to do healings. He wanted to set people free from demonic activity and he wanted people to be saved. He did what he could back in Nazareth, but he walked away heavy hearted because he said there was no faith in that town. I could not do the miracles. People didn't believe. People didn't act as though they believed. People didn't give them the opportunity. People didn't position themselves to be prayed for. People didn't go the extra mile to say, yes, I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna let Jesus pray for me for healing. So he walks away because there was no faith. And where there's no faith, God can't work where we don't step out of our comfort zone, believe in the supernatural work of the Spirit of God and start to position ourselves into a prayer meeting. Position ourselves in prayer. God's hands are tied. The people fishing all night, the disciples, what was their job? They were fishermen, they knew about fishing. They were fishing the whole night. They pulled up their nets, they were coming in, they were finished for for the, the morning and just about to get out of the boat. And Jesus said to them, go out and put the net on the other side of the boat. Do you know how much faith it took these guys to get back out there and put the net on the other side of the boat? But all night we fished, all nights, hours on end, there is no fish there, there's absolutely no fish there. But Jesus by faith will do what you said. And the catch was so big, they needed everyone to help them haul it in. Faith, faith, activates the power of God. When we step out in faith, it activates the power of God. Question for you, are you gonna fight for yourself, for your family, for your world, or are you just gonna ignore it and hope and pretend it's not there? Are you gonna be so focused in just your little world, you're going to forget that there's a lot going on out there that we need to learn about it. One of our biggest obstacles is just pride. I don't want to admit that I need help, I don't want to admit that, hey, in my situation, I'm battling need God to break through. And whether you're here or whether you're online, there are many people, I really believe, that need God to break through. And to break through by faith. It's by faith saying, I believe. And said, so I've prayed for this for so long. Yeah, they'd fished all night, but they went out another time. They caught the biggest catch there ever, ever. Never stop praying. Never give up praying and saying, I've prayed this long and then give up. Like I said, there's no fish there, but when Jesus puts fish in the water, they're there. And maybe this time as you pray, that's gonna make a difference and you're gonna be released. pull strongholds, imaginations, everything raised up against the knowledge of God. Whether it's a trial, whether it's a temptation you're in, whether you've given devil ground in your life and you've um, succumbed to temptation and the devil's telling you you'll never be good enough, that is a lie. There's no temptation that's overcome us that we can deal with by the blood of Jesus and be set free and move forward. The devil hates you. God's got a beautiful plan for your life. The devil's got a mess for your life. Don't live in his mess. Live in God's power and God's authority. And today, say, God, I'm gonna trust you and your army of hosts in the heavenlies that's gonna battle with me. So simply, we just need to acknowledge that the devil is messing with you. Accept your God-given authority that you can change this through the power of prayer or people praying for you. Put on the armour of God, stand firm, start to believe what the Word says, do what it says and honour God and then get the artillery and start to shoot by faith. By faith, start to pull down those strongholds. By faith, start to declare that the battle belongs to God. I'm gonna win this battle. Start to pray for your kids, start to pray for your work, start to pray for people around you, start to pray for those bad situations, start to believe that God is going to make a difference and do something amazingly good.